good morning, everyone. Uh, it's an interesting Sunday here. Jesse and Ashley are out of town on Jesse's family vacation, and then two of our elders, Martin and Mike, are running the Steamtown Marathon right now. Probably right at this moment. Hopefully, they're finishing soon. That'd be awesome. But they are running that. So they left me and Ryan Ferretti in charge. So we have voted so many things that we shouldn't have voted. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we we already changed the paint color outside. We're gonna paint it over. I'm just joking. But it's a great day. Turn to your neighbor real quick and say, happy anniversary. <laughs> you guys are like, what the? So this time, seven years ago, was our first service as a church. That's worth clapping for. Uh, it's crazy. Was anyone at that service, the old downtown building? So I see a few people. I know there's a few people here, remnants of that. It was a, we actually had a really small building on Lackawanna Avenue above Coney Island. Uh, they didn't work on Sunday, so luckily it didn't smell like hot dogs there, which could have been a good and bad thing at the same time. But uh, our kids' room in that building was the size of like a closet, and there, it was all windows. So the sun came in, and it was hot in there. It was miserable. The only bathroom we had was up by the stage. So if you had to go to the bathroom during the service... Everyone knew, and so it was a great time. Just seeing how the Lord's moved there, I do see, like, where's Butch at? Butch was there, one of our first members of the church. It's funny. He walked by one night during worship practice and heard us and then came ever since, which is an awesome thing. So while well, the location was great, the size was not, and we outgrew it. And it's actually this building we're right now is a testimony. We searched and searched for months, knowing that our lease was coming up on the building downtown and couldn't find anything. At one point, we were about to move out of the city onto Kaiser Avenue and rent a spot where we'd have to come in every morning and set up every Sunday morning. How many volunteers are glad that didn't happen? Who wants to wake up at 6.30 and set the whole church up, sound system, everything? That would have been miserable. And then at the last moment, God provided this place, and it came with the house next door that we used. And so seeing God move in these past seven years have been amazing, and seeing you guys be a part of that in many ways is awesome. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, so today's a day of celebration. It's seven years. Uh, as Jesse's been saying, God's doing a new thing, right? Like, in the year seven, year of Jubilee, we should be joyful today. And luckily today, I have a joyful message. I know last time I spoke, uh, <laughs> Jesse's like, hey, take the verses in Psalm about David saying, God, kill my enemies. And I was like, what? <laughs> but today... I actually have a message on redemption. I just want to stress, like, I love redemption stories. Everyone like movies and, like, you like to see, like, a bad guy end up being good by the end of it. Everyone, like, like that. I, I root for that in things. I'm like, is this guy going to end up being good? And also in real life, like, I love Tiger Woods just because I want to see him win the Masters again. Be like, yeah, hey, he came through. He pulled through. He's redeemed. And he won a Masters. And that's a, not a great example. But also, like, if you look in, like, Everyone's laughing. Because <laughs> Tiger Woods did some bad things. So I want to see him win. I like redemption story. We saw it with Michael Vick. We're like, hey, he got redeemed. He, he made it. So I root for those all the time. We see it in movies as well. Like in uh, Les Mis, you see how Jean Valjean ends up being a criminal and then redeems himself at the end. And then we also see Inspector Javert take the opposite route of that and just seek revenge the whole time. So it's everywhere. I root for it. I love it. And uh, sometimes I think we forget that we are part of the most beautiful redemption story of all time. We should embrace it. We should love it. And it actually should help us in how we do our everyday life. It's how we view people, how we view ourselves, how we view our city, how we view our neighborhood, how circumstances are viewed. If we view that through the eyes of redemption, life is joyful. It's a great thing. So if you want to turn with me uh, to Psalms 103, sing this joyful thing, everyone's like, 
So I want some joy today, right? It's seven years. It's a great day. People are running a marathon, and we aren't, <laughs> right? That's something to be joyful about. But turn with me to Psalms 103. We're going to read 1 through 14. Uh, let me know when you get there. I'm sorry, Kendra, I didn't give you any verses today, but it will be up on the screen. If not, that Bible in front of you is yours to keep if you don't have one. So I encourage you to turn to that in there as well. Uh, So Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all those who are oppressed. He made known his way to Moses. He acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, So far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are from dust. What a great verse. And I could say that verse and like end the service, drop the mic, and we can go back into worship, because that verse has so much in it. I want to point out a few things, though. I love that. We always think like God doesn't forget, but God does forget one thing of ours, right? What does he forget? Our sin. It's as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember it. So everything you've done in your past, everything you did yesterday, he's forgiving you for that. Isn't that good news? That's something to be joyful about. He's redeeming us. He's made a way for a redeemer. And the other thing is I love, he doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. We like payment in America. We like money. And we always, there's always a cost of something. He does not repay us judging our sins. He repays us judging on what his son did on redemption. That should make us the happiest people on the face of the earth. We should not be looking around and being sad. I know circumstances sometimes make us feel down, but when we view it in the light of redemption and his joy and that he loves us, he's gracious, slow to anger, like we should be the happiest people. Dan Moeller always said this line. Uh, He was here last November. Look him up. He's a great person. But he always said, if you squeeze an apple, what comes out? Apple juice, right? An orange, orange juice. If you squeeze a Christian, what comes out? Should be Christ. And sometimes you squeeze us, you put us in the pressure situations, and what comes out? Fear, anger, sorrow, sadness. That's not what we're called to today. We're called to be joyful, redeemed, and a redeemed people. Uh, so we're going through our series right now. It's on foundations. We're actually going through a catechism Jesse and Jared made for this church. That word scares a lot of people because they think, like, of they remember their Catholic days and, like, it being beaten into them. And, but this is a good one. And so today's point, and the, I forgot to tell Kendra about this as well. My bad, Kendra. Is, has God made a way of redemption? And yes, God, out of mercy, promised and provided reconciliation through a Redeemer to restore us to prior union with himself. And so this is good news. So if there's good news, what there has to be some sort of bad news, right? Good news always invades bad spaces. So the past few weeks, we've sort of laid down the bad. 
And we started off with Jesse going through, like, God made us in his image. He created the earth with the natural peace and rhythm and, like, union that was supposed to be. And we were supposed to commune with him daily. There was no fear, no shame, no sickness. There was abundance. And then suddenly, sin came in. And that union was split. And there was no longer no fear, no pain. We live in a broken world. And sometimes we sort of disconnect from that because if your life is good, sometimes you don't see sin. Some, if you work in a place where you see like hurt and pain all the time, you realize there's sin in the world. But lots of times we disconnect and go, oh, we're, life's pretty good right now. But no, we are a result of sin. We are living in a sinful world and we need a redeemer. And so we just look around. These hurricanes, the result of a broken world is everywhere. Everything is viewed through sin right now, but there's also like this brokenness and this emptiness in us. And so then Martin last week explained how we deal with that emptiness today. And lots of times we create idols to try and fill that brokenness. And I have a daughter and we have all these toys. And the, one second, the best way, I'm a thirsty person. The best way I thought to describe this was like anyone have kids and they have that one toy that, like, there's different shapes, and you try to put it in the right spot. And so Emma is really good at, like, getting the circle in, but she's not good at anything else. She tries to shove the star through the circle. And so when, when Adam sinned, it created this emptiness in us that we were trying to fill. And we're trying to shove things in a spot that only God can fill. And so our whole rest of our lives, we're like, let me try and see if myself can fit. If I can better myself, will that fill that need? If I can look to other people, will that fill that need? And then Sometimes we turn to other things. Like, I have this story. Do you mind if I get personal today? I was hoping people would say no. But, uh, and this is real. This happened, like, three, three weeks ago. And I was like, I go through love. I don't really have idols. I'm good. I'm good. I don't really exalt things. Until something happens, I'm like, ooh, I have an issue. So, I have a TV, right? I come home on Friday nights. It's a thing. I get online. I play video games just to like end my night and relax, like sort of close out my week of work. And one night I came home and I was like, try to turn on the TV. TV would not turn on. Plug into a different plug. TV still not turning on. I had a meltdown. I was like, are you kidding me? All I want to do is play video games right now. I had a long week at work. I was mad. You can ask my wife. It's an embarrassing story, but it's real. And like, I, when something is taken away, you realize like, how much of a hold it had on you. And so I, I went outside. I was like, just walking around. And I was like, I come back in. I'm like, I'm going to go buy a new $400 TV. And she's like, we don't have that money. But I was like, I don't care. <laughs> and that's how bad like, this idol was having a hold on my heart. Because I thought Friday nights, I play video games. I relax. I end my week by playing video games instead of looking to the one person that can really fill that need and relax me. And so, thankfully, thankfully, I worked through that. My wife was like, you need, like, she, and then I went outside, and I was, like, praying. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? And he sort of, like, like slow and kindly corrected me. Like, I like how God does. He doesn't, like, like we saw, he's slow to anger. He didn't, like, if I was God, I'd be like, you idiot. But I'm not God, that's why. And so I sort of, like, had this moment with God, and he's like, what are you doing, Ben? Like, really, it's a TV, it's a video game, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, you're right. You're right, I should be reading a book or read the Bible. I have, like, a, an obsession with books, and not, like, fiction books. I like nonfiction books. I have, like, a stack of books I've been trying to read through since 2014. I get through one a year. <laughs> so I read, like, all of them at the same time. I make a bad mistake. And I'm like, I could be doing that. I could be spending time with them. 
And no, I was so mad about a TV. Why? Because as humans, like that was what I was trying to fill my void with. It relaxed me. It made me feel good playing, beating kids in Madden. Like, that's dumb. They're probably like 20 years younger than me. I'm like, yeah, gotcha. Gotcha on a Hail Mary, ha. And so that's what we do. And if we were all honest and like all looked at our own lives, we would see that, that somehow there's something in us that we're putting above God instead of letting God fill that hole. And sometimes it takes a moment where something breaks to fill, figure it out. But I figured it out pretty quickly. And so I did like evaluate other things in my life. I'm like, what if, what if I lose this? That's the best way to do it. What if I lose this? How would I react? What if I lose this? How would I react? So we try to build idols. And, and I'm not saying things are are bad. Like, TV's not bad. God doesn't care if you watch TV. He cares if you spend all your time on the TV and not with him. But it's not inherently bad as long as the gift points back to the giver. And so, you know when you don't have idolatry, when I sit down, I play a video game, I'm like, man, this is great that I have the money to afford that TV at the time and the money to afford a PlayStation at the time, all because God worked in my life. And so, when we try to fill that, it's bad, but when we credit the gift back to the giver, it's not idolatry. But I just encourage you today to like go home and think, what could I lose that would like set me off? Or what could happen like in my life, something that would make it unstable? That would... Because then we can work through that before it actually happens. I wish I would have known my TV was the big, <laughs> biggest hindrance in my life, but, and then it happened and I figured it out. But we are all active participants in sin. We can look back and we try to blame Adam and Eve for like, well, they did it. But if you look at it in the Bible, it says all have fallen short. All have sinned, fallen short. So we need to stop, like, just putting it off. We're sinners. We need to realize that then we are sinners, and so we need to realize the need for a redeemer. And that's the biggest thing I'm trying to stress right now. There's good news, but we have to realize, like, the depravity of what it is before we get to the good news and how God saved us out of it. And so another thing we like to try to do is we try to like fix ourselves. Do you know the biggest selling genre of books? Anyone can guess it? Self-help books. $545 million a year are spent on trying to better yourself. And so when we do that, when we say, God, I can do this better than you can do it. I can do this. We're active participants in the sin of Adam. That was his main thing. He was like, God, I can do like Satan said, be like God if you eat this. And so he's like, okay, let me, we can handle this better than God handled this. And so we always like, try to get away from that. But if we are actively saying we can do something better, or if, like God tells us something, like, eh, I don't, I don't agree with that, I can do that better. We're participants in Adam's sin. So we're sinners. We've established that. You guys ready for the good news? Everyone's like, no, more bad news. Okay. Are you guys ready for the good news? This has got to be good today. This, is half, this has to hit you today as the, the greatest news ever. It has to. That he saved us. And so let's turn to Romans 5. I'll give you guys a minute to get there. Uh, you can shout if you're there. Anyone remember sword drills? Anyone go to, go to like a private school here? I went to a private Christian school, like a Bible class. Like, okay, guys, get ready. Romans 6. And everyone turned to it and like they'd yell it out first. Anyone do that? Wow. I had a fun life. And then I cheated. I got the tabs in my Bible. And they'd make me wait five seconds. They're like, okay, Ben, everyone else goes. Now, Ben, you can go. I'd still win. When they make those tab Bibles, they're awesome. But everyone there. So Romans 5, 6. 
For while we, was, we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I love that verse, those set of verses. Uh, Anyone notice any qualifications there to receive anything out of that? Nothing. That's my favorite part about that. He didn't like list anything to do this, do this, to get this reconciliation. He said, you know what? I sent my son while you guys were still in sin. I love that. There's no qualification. And so today I want to challenge you, if nothing qualifies us for that love and that reconciliation and redemption, why are we always trying to disqualify ourselves? Why are we always letting a bad day disqualify us from God's love and his grace? Anyone ever do that? Like you have like, I, I sinned, and I'm like, man, now I have to work back to this. We're so good at disqualifying ourselves. And God said, you know what? I saved you while you were still sinners. At the right time, while you were weak. And I want, I want to talk about weakness real quick. Uh, we have this issue, and I actually spoke about this at Celebrate Recovery last week. We have this issue in church, and actually in the, in the world itself. We don't like to admit weakness, right? It's like... The hardest thing for us to do when we, have to, when we have to say we're struggling with something. The first step to redemption, and I went through this, is admitting you're weak. We need a Savior. We are weak. We had nothing. No hope, no nothing. We need a Savior. And we create this culture in the church where like, you come in the door, and you put a smile on your face, and everything's good. That's not going to save you. That's not. We have to start admitting our weakness. And we always, like people... Always say, like, Christianity is a crutch. Has anyone yelled it at you? Like, you're arguing with someone. Like, you're just using it as a crutch. Yes. Yes, I am. I have broken legs. Like, it is. Jesus is there to lean on. He's there for our help. And if we don't admit we're weak, we're never going to fully come into the redemption that he has for us. So the first step is admitting our weakness and embracing it. Saying, God, I'm nothing without you. It's to only put boast in him when he saves us. So we can go, you know what? This was nothing on my doing it's nothing I could have done, but it's all on God. So embrace that today. And then I love that part about the right time. Anyone get mad at God's timing once in a while? Like I remember this. I used to, I was down south in a ministry school, and I came back. I had no job, no money. Like it was coming down to like my last like 20 bucks. And like I was praying like for months before that. Like, God, why aren't you showing up? Like, and then at the last day, I had a notice for my taxes. Anyone get like an IRS letter in the mail and get scared? I do all the time. I'm like, oh God, what could this be? And I open it up, they're like, hey, you miscalculated your earnings. Here's an extra $500. And I was like, I was thankful, but I also at the same time, I was like, man, God's timing. It's funny, funny things. But I love this at the right time. And that right time is still happening today. My right time when he saved me when I was weak was when I was three years old. I gave my life to Christ. But your right time could have been your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. Like he's still working that right time where you are. So he had the whole thing planned. And that's the coolest part. Like he wasn't scared when Adam took that apple. 
the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world. So it wasn't like he was nervous. He had to plan the whole time to bring us back to the union that he created us for. So trust in God's timing and just embrace it. And another thing I want to say is embrace your story. Like I said, I was, I'm a Christian my whole life. And when I was younger, I was like, man, I wish I had a cool story. Like I, I wish I didn't have to like come up to people and be like, hey, I was in church my whole life. Hey, guys. And like all my friends were like, hey, I didn't get saved till I was like 20 and I was on heroin. And, and it's just funny how like I wanted that to be my story. But the best story is how God met me where at the right time where I needed him to meet me. And because of that, my life was dramatically changed from then on. I lived a good life. And sometimes we try to like get other people's story. But I'm telling you now, embrace this story. If you were in church your whole life like me and grew up in church, embrace that. Tell people that. God saved you at your right time. And then like, so other people's right time could be right now, could be in the future, but embrace it. And so today I want to look up the, uh, the effects of redemption. Man, I'm speeding through my sermon. So good news, guys. We're getting out early today. We can go down. We can congratulate Mike as he finishes the marathon. But uh, we have to look at how redemption shapes us and how it shapes our past, our future, and most importantly, our present. And so with our past, redemption has erased our past. So there's tons of people here today that like to let their past disqualify them. Right? You're sitting there going, all the stuff I did, like, I can't be saved now. I can't, like, God can't love me as much as he loves the person that's been in church his whole life. Wrong. Wrong. Redemption erases your past today. It's gone. It's wiped out. God forgot about it. And then don't let your past disqualify you from anything. You've been justified. I love that part of that verse. We've now been justified. Justified means made right. Because of what God did by sending his son on the cross, he makes right. So he looks at you today, he can look at me today, and he goes, you know what, they're righteous. Isn't that insane? Because I don't feel righteous half the time. It takes me to like 10 a.m. in the morning to start feeling good about myself and righteous. But he looks at us right now through the lens of his son and says, you know what, they're justified because of his blood. And so look at yourself today in that, in that light and look at your past today in that light. Another thing with our past, it becomes a no-judgment zone. Anyone, anyone go to Planet Fitness? They have that huge like, slogan, no judgment zone. I always joke with Martin because I go there and I'm like, I need a judgment zone. I'm out of shape. I need like buff people like grunting and making me feel uncomfortable so I can get in shape. So the no judgment zone doesn't work for me. And then they're like, hey, pizza's this Monday. I'm like, pizza? <laughs> Sweet. So I'm running on the treadmill holding the pizza. I'm just kidding. I never did that. But, but Christianity is a no judgment zone. I used to get mad when like people would get saved and somehow... Like, they get saved, and then they'd, like, somehow be invited to speak more. And I could, I could see God using them. I'm like, they were just drug addicts a week ago. I was like, I've been in church my whole life. It doesn't matter with redemption. It doesn't. And so God is redeeming things. And he, one of my favorite stories of this church is with Mike Arcangeletti. He's the one running the marathon today. And this marathon is a big redemption story for him. If you don't know Mike, he was addicted to heroin most of his life. He's, and he's said this before, and I asked permission to use him today, so I'm not saying this without him here because we can all like, be like, hey, Mike. But uh, he stole his grandparents' wedding rings and sold them for heroin. And back then, would you think you'd be redeemable? If I met Mike that time, would I be like, yeah, God, you'd use him? Probably not, but God met him in jail and started this 
redemptive arc with him, where now like he has a kid which he never thought he had, he got married which he never thought he would be, and now he's running, his dream was just running a marathon. Like I love seeing that, I love rooting for that. And so we can't let someone's past define them. We have to view it through Christ's redemption. Your mistakes, your sin, your shame, everything has been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember it. Don't let your past define you today. Then we have our future. Since I grew up in church my whole life, the future always scared me, right? Anyone else like grow, who's grown up in church their whole life? Good, a lot of people. The end times were like the scariest thing to me ever, right? And Kirk Cameron put that movie out and it got scarier. I was like, oh God, I'm going to disappear. My family will disappear. Or the pilot will disappear while he's flying the plane. We're all going to crash. And we've made this end times thing the scariest thing. But I'm telling you today, the end times isn't scary at all. If we view it through the light of redemption. If we view it through what he's actually going to end up doing in the end. And I always like when like Satan comes against me. I always like just to remind him of the end. Like we have, what kind of other story do you have where it actually gives you the end of the story? Like it tells you how the whole thing is going to end. And so when Satan comes against you, you can be like, hey buddy, you're going to be in a lake of fire. Have fun with that. (laughs) You're going to be chained up. You're going to be defeated. And we have to view him for that. So I'm always constantly like telling Satan, hey, stop it. Cut it out. I know the ending. You have no control over me now because of that. And so we've always been scared, but I want to read this verse. I'm reading a lot today, right? I have a lot of Bible verses, but it's good. Uh, So in the end, God ends up redeeming the earth. Sin's gone forever. And I want to read these verses in Revelation. This is Revelation 21. Uh, 1 through 7. I'm going to jump to a few other verses in there just to show you how good the ending is going to be and how we have to view our situation and view the future with hope right now because of what he's doing in it and he's redeeming it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. That's a little scary, but it gets better. And I saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. This is where it gets really good. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on his throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. If we skip forward to verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. The glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. 
and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of all the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that great news? That we have this hope in the end that God redeems everything. A new heaven and new earth. That should make us joyful today. We, that should give us hope today. No more fear. No more worry about it. No more worry about the rapture. We should live victorious today because of the victory in the end. Anyone excited for that? God, there's no temple anymore. There's no church. God's a church. God's a temple. We can fully access him. And then, like, there's no light. He's the light. Isn't that insane? The gates won't be shut day or night of this new city. And the whole earth is being redeemed and renewed. That's great news. We have this mentality of, like, let's just get to heaven. When God's saying, no, let let, let me get to earth and show everyone the new way of d- doing life. It's only through redemption that he can do that. And then last is our present. And this is the most important one. So I love this. So if we look back at that point, the catechism point, it says, Yes, God, out of mercy, promised and provided reconciliation through a Redeemer to restore us to prior union with himself. What was that prior union? The garden. So what's, when is that available? Right now. He restored that complete prior union with himself with redemption by his blood of the Son. So right now we have full access. You know that rhythm that he created the world in, that like shalom, that peace that he created the garden there. They had no fear there. It was peaceful. That's accessible right now. Do we partner with that? Do we join in with that? Does it shape how we view our circumstances? Does anyone worry, like, man, like, I'm always afraid. Like, it's God talk to me. Like, does God, like, am I hearing you, Lord? That full communion has been established again, too, because of his son. So we have full access to him to talk to him, to live with him, to ask him for help in time of need. Full access. The garden is back, and it's right here, and we can live it out right now. And a lot of times that that like rhythm of life that he created for us, that peace and mercy, is only found by like living the way he called us to live. If we're living in sin, that peace and mercy will never be there. But if we're living according to him and glorifying him and doing everything in honor to him, we find ourselves back in that rhythm. And there's peace and shalom. So whatever comes our way, we can live in just joy and peace. And so this is a quote from a guy named Vernon Pierre. He's a pastor in Phoenix about, like, redemption in the present. Redemption gives us motivation in the present. The creation has not been abandoned by God. Instead, through Jesus, it has been reclaimed by him and will eventually be made brand new. It will be a creation characterized by harmony and peace, rightly related to God and humanity. The church today is an early outpost of this new creation and primary means towards bringing about this new creation. This means that the church is not a passive bystander to the world, nor is it an imperiled passenger in the world, only bidding its time until it's rescued off the sinking creation. Instead, the church is a divinely commissioned community of people whose faithful efforts in this world even now matter as they proclaim and embody the redeeming and renewing power of the gospel. So we have a job right now, right? Who's at home group this past week? We watched this video by a guy named Michael Frost. He's a missional guy. He talks about how the church is one of the church's main jobs right now on the earth is to be a trailer and a foretaste of the things to come. 
And this guy even says it right here as well. We're not, we're supposed to be the most unified people on the earth. We can't have divisiveness between us. Have anyone been on Facebook recently? I hate it. <laughs> I'm like, everyone says this, everyone's divided against this. Should we stand? Should we kneel? Should we put our hand on our hearts? Should we, like, there's all this crazy. We have guns, we not have guns. And, it's cra- and churches are arguing back and forth. People I know from churches are arguing back and forth. That's not what we're supposed to do right now. We're the outpost, we're the foretaste of what God wants to do in the end. We should be the most unified people. And with that, we should also partner with him in the redemptive works of this city, in our neighborhoods. We have to, his heartbeat has been redemption. His heartbeat has been love. Do we partner with that? Do we partner with him? So everywhere we walk, everywhere we go, our goal should be redemption. Everyone we meet, our goal should be redemption. Even our enemies, which I hate, our goal should be redemption. We have to view them the way, as a redeemed person. We should partner with God and say, okay, let's bring about redemption. And also is how we view our circumstances. Is We also have to view ourselves and our body presently in light of redemption. We saw there's no pain in heaven. So if we're a glimpse no, not, no pain in heaven, but no pain on the newer. So for a glimpse of that today, we have to view healing through his redemptive eyes as well. And so also in my family this year, cancer's popped up on both sides. My mom just got out of surgery this past Wednesday for cancer. My father-in-law has it. You've seen it. He's been here. We've prayed for him. Uh, it was just thyroid cancer. It turned to liver cancer. Now it's gotten scarier because it's turned into genetic thyroid cancer. And so now I have to look at my wife and my daughter and and go, oh gosh, do they have cancer? It's been a tough time. And once again, that moment I can go, okay, this is dumb. Like, this stinks. This is, I should just be wallowing in sorrow somewhere. Or do I say, God, you know what? You're a redeemer. And I can partner with him in healing as a redeemer as well. And so I can see that cancer. I can go, you know what? That's not God. That's not what his son died for. And if I want to be a glimpse of that, I have to stay trustworthy and strong in that and say, God, you know what? You can redeem this situation. Willie, he's God. <laughs> Who knows? His timing is perfect. We have to trust him in that, but we can also just partner with what we know his heartbeat is of love and redemption. And so today I encourage you, if you have a sickness, if you have any pain in your body, pray for it under the redemption lens. Don't pray for it under what you feel. Don't pray for it under, like, how you feel. Pray for it with the redemptive lens of Christ in mind. And then last but not least, like our present, it should empower us in the present to live redeemed. Like I said when I first started this off, this is the most joyful message you could ever hear. He saved us. We had no hope, no hope at all, right? If God didn't save us, we would just be waiting to die. No hope. But God sent his son to save us. And I always like to, like, if I was God, wouldn't you seek revenge? If you made this perfect, perfect place for people to live and they had everything, the trees grew fruit, and then they turn on you and like, we could do this better. I'd be like, okay, good luck, see ya. Wouldn't everyone, would anyone choose redemption at that point? But no, God, while we were sinners, while we were the farthest part away from that, our weakest moment, he came down and said, you know what? I'm going to save them regardless of what, the, what they've done, regardless of what they partnered with today. Isn't that amazing? So we have to live our life by that, through that lens. We should be the happiest people. We should be the most joyful people. And yes, circumstances come across where it's sometimes you have to like take that moment, be sorrowful, think about it, but get out of it. 
partner with his redemption in your life. And then lastly, like, never sit here. I don't want you sitting here today, and I said in this beginning, don't think your life can't be redeemed. Don't think any circumstances can't be redeemed. One of the craziest stories of redemption in the Bible is the story of Ruth. Anyone read that story? Remember that story? It was, if you went to Sunday school a lot, it was taught a lot. But Ruth was a Moabite woman. Her, there's a family in the land of Israel. So Naomi and her husband and her sons, who are Israelites, went to Moab. They married two Moabite women. Ruth was the only one that came back with Naomi. Both her, All their husbands died. And so Ruth came back with Naomi to Israel. And when they were there, they realized there's a guy there that could be a redeemer for her. It's called a Kingsman Redeemer, where he could agree to take her on as a wife and give her everything he has. Like it's, and so we see this beautiful story of redemption. And the story itself is, just, is great, but it ends like this. And this is what we always seem to forget, how like crazy, this is a Moabite woman. She's not an Israelite, right? Everyone agree with that. She's a foreigner to them. And it ends. And listen to what happens at the very ending of the story. Who comes from this line of people? Remember, she's not an Israelite. She married one. And Ruth gave birth to a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So don't say right now my life can't be redeemed. Don't say I'm not part of this. Jesus came through the line of David. Ruth who thought her husband would die, like everything was gone wrong. How can I be redeemed in this? She comes back to Israel, finds a guy to redeem her. They give birth to David's dad or to David's granddad. Like, isn't that insane? So I don't want you sitting here today saying, I'm too far gone. There's nothing I can do. You have no idea what God's working in your life right now. You have no idea. So partner with that. Never think you're too far gone. Never think your circumstances have made you too far gone. So I'm going to do something a little different today as we close. Uh, first of all, I want to offer an open invitation to come to the front and get prayer if you need healing today. I do that almost every time I speak just because I know that God heals, and especially in the light of redemption, God heals. So if anyone needs healing for anything, any circumstances need to be redeemed, but I also invite the people that don't want to come up to stand in agreement today with God's redemptive story for their lives. That if we partner with it, it changes the way we view everything. It changes the way we walk out of this church. We're now redeemers. We're now reconcilers. Our job now is to be joyful and then to redeem and show redemption to everyone else we encounter. Because what were the foretaste of the things to come? We're the foretaste of his kingdom here on earth. So I encourage you to go out today with joy. This is the most joyful thing. I encounter, when I started studying for this, I was like, this is the best story ever. This should be made a movie. All of our lives, which they are. I hope when we get to heaven, God's... They want to, I went to acquire the fire once. They want to go to acquire the fire. And they scared the heck out of me. They, this one time I went, they're like, their whole thing was like showing everything bad. Like you get, this guy gets to heaven and they show him everything bad he did. Like his whole life, the good, the bad. I'm like, that's not true. I can't wait till we get to heaven and God shows you all the good. And then when you're up, when, not heaven. Well, if you die early, you're going to heaven. But I, I'm hoping I make it to the new, new earth. I'm hoping this is the generation. That might be scary to some people. But then God shows us our, our, our movie of our life. And we can sit there and go, this is the greatest movie ever made. 
Martin Scorsese's got nothing on this. Nothing. This is the best redemption story I've ever seen. That's God and his mere mercy. Nothing we could do, nothing you could do, no rules. He saved you in your sin. He pulled you out of the pit you were in. There was no hope. So today we live hopeful. We go about our lives being one of hope and joy. 